Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you this evening? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Did you catch that? This evening? Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Good, good, we, man. We are actually doing... Oh, no, it's afternoon. Is it? Yeah. 12-21. Yep. Ah, forget it. Right. It's, uh, still, it's still a great morning. It is. And it's going to be a great afternoon, and uh, in case I don't see you tonight, good evening as well. <laughs> you know, uh, you're speaking about the Truman Show. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd catch that. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Uh, what? <laughs> You know who stars in that movie, do you not? <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. So Jim Carrey we're talking about. When he says... Great uh, artist. He says good morning S. to a couple who are Pardon, across the street. I, I keep interrupting you. Please start over. So you know in that movie when, he, when Jim Carrey says yes. good morning to the couple across the street. Yes. And he says, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Right. Right? That, the, the husband of that couple is a guy who I went to high school with. What? Yeah. The, the, the actor. The actor in that movie who is standing across the street from Jim Carrey as he comes out of his house in the Truman Show, uh-huh. and he waves to, good morning. He's, he's speaking to the, the actress woman, but then there's an actor husband? Standing next to her. Okay. It's a couple standing in front of their so, house. Okay, so he's speaking to both of them. Right. Okay. And he says good morning to them. The husband of the couple okay. I went to high school with. I think I get it. Yeah. Well, hey, I his mean, name, congratulations to that guy being in a movie. His name is Fritz Dominique. What? Fritz Dominique. Yeah. <laughs> you are making this up. I give you my word. Fritz Dominique. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Maybe he changed his name, you know, for that acting purposes. Fritz. But but I know where you grew up. And yeah. I would think he would have more of a... Super guy. And... Uh, over the summer, you know, my nickname in high school was the governor. Okay. I mean, you can't say that with it. Well, okay, let's move on. Go no, ahead. No, yeah. So, so and, and how I got my nickname. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Was there more to the story yeah. or should yeah. I ask the question? No. How did you get the nickname? Well, let me tell you. So, I'm glad you asked. John. Right. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> So we would have summer workouts, and typically they were toward the end of summer before we'd start three-a-day practices, and we'd be in there working out, and when somebody would walk in the locker room, who was a friend of mine, I'd stop my workout and go over and say hey to them, because I, you know, a lot of them I hadn't seen all summer or for a large part period of time between the end of school and that, so I'd go say hi to them. And my coach would say, hey, governor, stop collecting votes and get over here and work out. Well, it, it sounds like I mean, just from the uh, the coach's statement and, and the nickname that maybe they weren't all just great friends that you hadn't seen all summer. Right. Maybe, maybe just, you just did that to everybody. Well, I, and, know, and that you considered them all great friends. I did. I did. Everybody was I, my friend. I mean, let me tell you, I know you and I know I've seen you walk in a room. And everyone is your great friend, right? Absolutely. I love that about you. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so I, I became the governor because he'd always say, hey, governor, stop collecting votes and get over and work out. And then he would follow with, listen, you're not good looking like Fritz. You're going to have to work no. for a living. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no, every time. I go, hey, you see Fritz over there? He's a good looking guy. He can make it on his looks. You, you're never going to make it on your looks. So you better get over here and work what? your ass out. 
What a great story. Absolutely. We should tag Fritz in this I episode. would love to. I would love to. He was a great guy. Oh. I haven't seen him since high school, but he is in that movie. He is the guy. How did you know that? Just you saw the movie and said, I know that I guy? saw the movie and yeah, I'm looking at the screen and there's Fritz. I mean, that's <laughs> absolutely. I, Have you like checked the credits? Maybe he's got a doppelganger. No, it's him. It's him. Yeah. You know for sure it's him. I know him. for sure it's him. All right. So, yeah. You know what my... Uh, my my nickname in high school football was no what? It's gonna get you. It's gonna make total sense too. Okay. Just like the governor does for you. Yeah. It was tree stump. <laughs> Let me tell you why. One of one of my high school coaches, we're doing uh, tackling drills, right? Right. And so anytime you know we you know what it is, you you get a group of people like in a circle and like Higgins Jones. Go. Right. And so you both meet in the middle of the circle, and one guy's the runner and the other guy's the tackler. Yeah. So he says, you know, every time y'all run into Higgins, it's like you're running into a stump. <laughs> like, like, I just yeah. don't move. Right. <laughs> All right. That's a complimentary name from that perspective. I played linebacker. Right. I took it as a huge compliment. Oh, absolutely. Mike Singletary, I had to take his number. Yeah. You know, greatest linebacker that I knew at the time in the 80s. Of course. Of course. Played for the Bears. Yeah. Super Bowl shuffle, baby. There you go. We ain't trying to cause no trouble. We just doing the Super Bowl shuffle. It's another guy who was on the Bears who played defensive end. I remember Jim McMahon. I remember the refrigerator Perry. I remember Walter Payton. Yeah. I don't remember a defensive end. He played at Florida. Marshall. Uh, Wilbur Marshall. Thoroughgood Marshall. Wilbur Marshall. You remember Wilbur Marshall? I kind of remember that name. Yeah, he was a defensive end. Okay. And uh, Was he in the Super Bowl? I mean, I should know. Yeah. 85 Bears, right? Yeah. Undefeated season, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been uh, in '85. He would have been uh, a rookie. Wow! But okay. he was, yeah. What I a mean, way to all, be introduced into all, the NFL. All SEC. He was All American. Wilbur <clears throat> Marshall was fantastic uh, ball player, but um, went on played in the NFL. And when I was a freshman at the University of Florida, during one of our you know summer workouts, Wilbur Marshall came back to Florida. And he spoke to us. And, I mean, it was one of, throughout all my time at Florida, one of the most powerful former player speeches. And what uh, year was this he came back? It would I mean, have been, remember? yeah, it would have been uh, the 85-86 season. Wow. Yeah. So he, right before that that season, legendary season. Correct. And so this guy talks to you, and you're like, oh, that he, was a great conversation. He, he talks, and then you went on to watch them. He talks to the group, right? I mean, we all kind of, at the end of practice, we all came over and took a knee, and Wilbur Marshall was out there talking to the coaches and spoke to the team. It was just, I can't remember what he said, but I just remember walking away going, wow, that was that was pretty powerful, right? I mean, very yeah. motivational. I mean, just, you know, heartfelt. Hey, sometimes, sometimes it's that subconscious you know, I can't remember the word for word. I can't tell you what but he said. But the says. feeling that he right. Con- yeah, right. But let me tell you, I was ready to go conquer the world Absolutely. after he got through talking. Absolutely, man. You know, I mean, this is crazy. I bring but, this up, but Lawson Owen is one of those oh, guys. Yeah, it's just you. You, you, walk you away leave going. the room thinking, "All right, yeah, I, I want to be on that guy's team." Right. All right, right. So, so finish your story. I'm sorry for interrupting. No worry. So many years later, I'm going, but I. 
went with my family back to uh, Orange and Blue game, which is the spring game. Right. Okay. And we're staying in a hotel and I get in the elevator and another guy gets in the elevator with me and he looks over at me and, you know, kind of a balding guy got on him and he says, hey, you going to the game? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to the game. You go to the game? He goes, oh, yeah, I go every year. I played for the University of Florida. My name is Wilbur Marshall. Oh, wow. And I was like, Wilbur Marshall. Oh, my God. I played for University of Florida as well. My name's Ray West. And I said, you know what? I remember... And started to tell him the story about yeah. him coming back and speaking to the team and how inspirational that was to me. Yeah. And right as we get to the bottom floor and the doors open and, you know, I mean, a guy who I had tremendous respect for. I mean, an unbelievable force on the field, right? Just a man's yeah. man, just destroyed people. He was both, just both a, professionally and personally. Right. Yeah. Uh, but just a, a, a great player who, you know, and so he's like, takes off like, honey, I'm so sorry that I kept you waiting. I'm on my way. Here I come. Right. This guy who was this legendary figure in my mind, who's just unbelievable. The man's man. And now he was, was so whipped. He's just chasing his wife, apologizing. Right. As he's running with a bag on his shoulder. And uh, I was like, wow, there goes Wilbur Marshall. One of my idols. I, I, there's chasing so many his wife. different ways to take that story. Like, is he a... Just a big-hearted guy. A huge-hearted guy. You know, that was, was apologetic. But, I mean, because you're some stranger, and there's his wife. wife that had yeah, to wait for, right. He was I waiting mean, for him. And yeah. applaudable. Oh, absolutely. He was concerned about his wife first, which okay. I would expect nothing less. Well, I mean, you're you're very much that way. I would yeah, think that absolutely. you appreciate that. I do. You, you would... Uh, you would throw away plans that you and I had or drop our conversation at the drop of a hat if your wife called. Yep. I tell when I'm in dealerships, right? <laughs> if my wife calls, and she is not demanding of my no, time No, no. Your right? wife is very, she, I mean, Yeah, I mean, she, if I don't take her call, she is very understanding. Yeah, she'd be like, all right, I guess he's busy. He'll call me back. Absolutely, 100%. But I, I guess that's but the point I've, I'm trying to say, yeah. I've been in dealerships where she'll call, and I tell the dealer or whoever I'm talking to, you know what? This is the one call I don't put yeah. off. That was a long current event. It was. <laughs> okay. And I don't even know how we got I, off I've, on that. I mean, yeah, no. I think uh, it was a very interesting story up until the elevator thing. And now I'm just, uh, I'm flummoxed, Ray. Are you? Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Being flummoxed is okay. Oh, yeah. It's another state of mind. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. I'm very yeah. zen about being flummoxed. It just is. Yeah. So. Okay, Ray. So, uh, moving on, what is our topic of the day? Well, you know, here 30 minutes in, we should probably say welcome to Saturday morning sales meeting. Welcome. We appreciate everyone joining us. Absolutely. If you've made it this far. Then uh, we assume you want to hear what we have to say next. Kudos to you. <laughs> nice, nice work. Yeah, so we, we've talked about a plethora of topics, but now we're going to dive into sales, management, the automotive dealership, uh, just best practices, shall we say. Or working as a team. That's the topic. Yeah, I was getting oh. a general overview of what we're going to talk about next, which is... Sales, automotive, 
So you're just talking about a general overview of what we talk about on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I say, I like, it, I like to it say. It was kind of right? like when I was giving, I was walking through a script with a point and you go, yeah, Ray, I, I know the script. All right. I mean, if you want to read the whole thing, you don't remember that? I don't remember that. Did yeah. That I was giving I'm kind giving of. giving you a quizzical look right now. I, you are. And I was giving you the back and forth. But it included walking through the scripted process, and you go, okay, Ray, so now you've been through the whole script. Now, what's your point? You don't remember that? No. You're kind of doing that again right now. No, you are. <laughs> That's my point. No, no you. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I like to say, Ray, it's Saturday Morning Sales Meeting, a podcast about everything automotive. And don't you throw casual in there at some point? Yes, I do. I say it's Saturday morning, a casual podcast about everything automotive. That's what I've heard you say. Or sometimes I just say it's a podcast about everything automotive, and then I say, "Eh, it's casual. Yeah. Do you do that? (laughs) You have to do that. It's part of it. It's casual. It's part of it. (laughs) (laughs) A podcast about everything automotive. Eh, It's casual. (laughs) I love that. I do that. You're not going to believe this. I do that through text. You do (laughs) it? People say, hey, what do you want to eat tonight? I go, eh, maybe Italian. How do you spell it? That's what I was going to say. It's difficult. Sometimes I use an M, M E H. Sometimes I just use an E H H. I think it's more E. But, but I think it doesn't come across. I think it's common, uh, commonly understood that, that if you do the M E H, that it's meh, meh. I don't know. Although I don't actually vocalize the M, I think people understand it through text better. Okay. Man, <laughs> this is so hilarious because I, I actually do that in conversation. Maybe we should like actually type that in the descriptor of our podcast. <laughs> Saturday morning sales meeting dash a podcast about everything automotive, comma man, it's casual. It's casual. <laughs> All right. So there's the they say in every bit of humor there's a sum of truth. Oh, absolutely. Typically, think, the, the truth is what's funny. I think this is a hundred percent hilarious because it's a hundred percent true. true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh so, man, that's funny. Moving on to my uh, news of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, which we leads, we're still doing current events. Current events. That's what no, I'm actually, about. yeah. I, which I, leads into I was going to say, I know what topic you're going to say. Topic Yes. It's a post from Clifford Morgan, who's a leadership coach, and then he's got a bunch of other things, that leadership development, executive coach, and he's talking about, uh, he says, one of the simplest things I see leaders fail to do on the job is development and succession planning. And I think what he gets into, we discussed before we started recording as more employee development than it is necessarily directly related to secession or right, them right. taking he, the he next He kind of comes at it from the point of view of 
if you're planning to be promoted, here's how to find your own replacement. Yeah. Which I think, maybe you agree, is that's irrelevant to the point that he's about to state. Or to our primary takeaways from what he shared. Okay, okay, amen. So I I think, and again, he's not automotive dealership specific in his consulting. Okay. okay. Um, So he's talking about general, corporate, you should always be looking toward the secession of those under you. But I think from that perspective, you should always be as a manager, as a leader, as a mentor, you should always be investing yourself in the professional growth, whether it's for their next role in the dealership or just the expanse of their ability within their career. I was going to say that's your own take. Yeah. But, But let's get to the meat of it and then let's get into our takes. Okay. So he's talking about you're going to be promoted. Here's how to find your replacement. You and I are looking at this more as a general practice. Yeah, development of your team. Right. So now let's hear the the proposal that he makes. So he says, sit down with one of your team, explain the situation and the decision that that needs to be made. All right. So in other words, I'm the manager. I've got to make a decision as a manager. And he says, sit down with your team and explain, okay, I've got to make this decision. And then ask them, what decision would they make? And then ask them to discuss their thought process. I, I, I like that. It doesn't necessarily need to be, hey, here's a decision I'm going to make in the future or I'm presently making. It could just be presented as, here's one of the decisions I face as a manager. Sure. How would you approach that decision? Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though? I do. It, it's it, almost like you are actively going to influence what decision I make, which will in turn influence your employment here, you yeah, know, your job role. I, I don't. I don't think that's how he's presenting it. Okay. Okay. He's presenting it as here's a way to develop your team to be ready for the next level. No, I get that. Okay. But when he's engaging with the employee, right. I don't think you need to say, "Hey, here's a decision I have to make. What do you think I should do?" Well, I think that kind of undermines. But he doesn't your, say what do you think I should do. He says what decision would you make as the employee? Here's a decision. I mean, I'm, I think here's a decision I'm, I'm making. Well, what would you do if you were in that position? I, I guess it's all in the approach. I, yeah, I think as an employee, I think what are you, are well, you asking me because it's going to influence your no, decision? I, I, I know what I'm going to. I know. What my plan is for this decision. I'm just curious. How would you approach it? See, this? I think it doesn't need to be like an impending decision. Then the employee is going to feel like, well, geez, you know, how I answer this is going to influence what he decides, which is going to influence my job role. I think it should just be an arbitrary. Here is a decision that I commonly face as a manager. Am I making sense? Are we speaking the same language? You are, but I think if if it's a decision that I've already made, right, or that I've made in the past and regularly have to face, yeah. then if you're not in line with what I'm going to be right, deciding, then, okay. right, I think by saying, hey, I'd love to hear you. Hey, I've already made the decision yeah, on this. But what would you, what would you have and done? And I'm not going to tell you what that decision was. <laughs> what decision would you make? It's like, oh, crap. Right. Uh, then they're uh, always going to agree. Yeah. And say, oh, boss, you made the right decision. to agree. 
Or they may make the wrong decision. <laughs> wrong decision. Nope. That's not the one I made. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I think by saying, hey, here's a, you know, give me your take on this. Okay. What decision would well, you make? Or what's phrasing. your process? What, what would you do to approach this decision? Right? Maybe they'll give you some insight. There's nothing wrong with that as a leader. To say, hey, I'd love to get your input on this decision. All right. Here's a decision that I, I'm dealing with right now or that I deal with on a regular basis. Tell me your thoughts on this. Right? How would you, how would you go about deciding or what are your thoughts on, on the best decision and why? Okay. From that perspective of, you know, I want, this is going to impact you, hopefully, if okay. you know a decision. And I'd love to hear your, I have some ideas as to where I want to go with this. But before I make a final decision, I'd love to get your feedback as to, you know, what you think we should do in this situation and, and why. Okay. Right? You have a different perspective than I have. I think that's, uh, I'm about 70 or 80% in agreement with you. I think that's, I think that's valuable. I think from you, that's 100%. <laughs> in 70, 80% of the cases, I agree with you 100% of the time. <laughs> so, now, yeah, the, my only reservation is in all right, well, let's go un- undermining the leadership right? yeah, and yeah. saying that, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do and here's why. But I think too too often, because of the fear of looking like we're weak, yeah. we miss the opportunity to develop the people around us to say, you know what? We're we're all in this together. I would love your input. Now I'm gonna make a decision. Oh, I love that point of view. Right. I totally agree with you on that. And and so let's go through here's what he says doing this provides. Okay. okay? One is provides them experience making decisions at the next level. Two, exposes them to issues and considerations faced at the next level. Yes. Three, lifts their thinking to a more strategic level. Okay. Right? Because you got to be thinking about not just how it impacts you, but how it impacts the, the broader company. Four, gives them a greater understanding of your role and how they can support you. And five, gives you a greater understanding of their thought process so you can be more intentional about their development moving forward. You want to go through them again? Sure, yeah. Provides them experience in making decisions at the next level. All right, number one is about the employee getting experience. Right. Then exposes them to issues and considerations faced at the next level. Okay, number two is about the employee getting experience. Lifts their thinking to a more strategic level. Number three is about the employee getting more experience. Okay. Yeah, but it, uh, more experience that I think one of the things that we talked about before we started recording was them thinking more strategically is not just about them moving to the next level. It's getting them more strategic in their thinking at but, their but, but level. it's about employee education or... Development. Uh, awareness. Yeah, it's okay. employee development, okay. right? So the first three are about employee development. Okay. What's the fourth one? Gives them a greater understanding of your role and how they can support you. Okay, that's also about employee development. Five is gives you a greater understanding yes. of their thought processes so you can be more intentional about their development. All right, all right, so I got my numbers wrong. It's one through four kind of centers around the employee development. And the fifth one centers around the manager's awareness of what his employees are, are thinking or yeah. You know, w- w- yeah. Yeah. 
where their logic where, is. Where they're at and where they need more opportunity for yeah, growth. But I, I love all five of those yeah. points. I think they're all valid and they're all necessary and 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 all not capitalized on right. in today's world. Yeah. Right. Whether it's whether it's the car business or not. Absolutely. And whether it's thinking about the employee from a development standpoint within their current role, right? I mean, I've talked about yeah. the one manager that was a desk manager, and he said, I have no desire to be anything but a desk manager until my last day at the job. But he was open to opportunities to grow as a desk manager while understanding some of the roles and responsibilities and issues that the GSM is facing could help him be a better desk manager. I think I would like this guy. Oh, yeah. This guy you're talking about. It, he's like, I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I feel satisfied in my life and my job. Right. And I enjoy this. I, I don't want the stresses and added uh, responsibilities of right. doing something more. No. But at the same time, I want to be the absolute best at this job that I can be. Yeah. I love that guy. Of course. You need to introduce me to this guy. I will. I will. His name's Steve. He's a good guy. Okay, cool. You'd like Steve. Hey, Steve. How you doing, bro? <laughs> My name's John. All right. You got a little bromance going on there, do you? So, but, but even somebody like that could benefit from expanding their thinking beyond the, you know what, what do I need to do to be successful? It's what do I, what can I do to be more valuable to the GSM and the GM and Amen. in my role. Amen. I think this is a, this post and your interpretation of it encompasses a, a great attitude no matter what level of the organization you're in. Yeah. It is how can I help the people that I'm leading yes. to, how can I help them to grow and how can I help them understand my daily responsibilities right but also how can i better understand the responsibilities of the people above me yeah and how can i aid them in doing their job right i mean it all comes let's boil it down to a sentence it's being a good team player right amen yeah And, and i think that's one of the failures of leadership that we see so often in business in general but certainly in dealerships is I'm so caught up in what I have to do that, I mean, I see a lot of those managers who are like, hey, don't you worry about what I have to do. You just do what you need to do. Well, uh, how yeah. much better able, right? I mean, we talk about in our consulting, the why behind the what. I don't want to just tell somebody what to do. If they understand why they're doing it, why are you saying this word track? Why am I encouraging you to make these calls? Here's why. Here's the benefit. Here's what I think it's going to do for you and us as a whole as a dealership. Okay, now I can grasp my head around saying that word track or doing that. Bro, you know you're speaking my language now. Right. Yeah, it's, I'm all about people want to be successful in life. Yeah. The, the only obstacle to that is understanding how to be more successful. Right. Right? I, I don't think it's a problem in the general population. I mean, if they applied for a job in your dealership, they did so because they want to achieve something. Right. So take that desire to be successful and help them down the path to be that. Right. No, no one day one in a new job goes in thinking, all right, you know, how do I just skate <laughs> This place by? is going to suck. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, 
How do I just set up my life so I can do the least amount possible? They 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 intentionally want to be successful in that job. I was gonna say most people when they get a new job, you ever talk to people that just got a new job, and I don't care what the job is. Yeah, they're excited about that new job. Right. But then now they get to it and they're beat down. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Oh, but, you just stay in your lane. Don't worry about what everything else is going on. Don't worry about what I'm doing. You yeah. just do your role. Well, yeah. What a two years later, you say, well, "How do you like your job?" Well, let me tell you where they're screwing up. Right. Oh, yeah. No, and I've. I've well, and the problem is, they would probably. Okay, number one, they probably had some valid concerns, that aren't being heard, but number two, if their manager, if their leader had engaged them, they wouldn't be complaining about it to their friends and family. They would be saying, oh, man, I had this concern, and then I, my leader asked me about it, and, hell, we're working on it. Oh, I'm so excited about how we're going to solve this problem right. that I have. Or I, I saw I had this concern, but I didn't realize that there, that would impact these three other things that we did not want to impact. So, therefore, you know, yeah, I've got to deal with this difficulty, yeah. but there's a reason why. Hey, unexpected circumstances are going to happen. Right. Obstacles are going to arise. Yeah. It's how we handle them as a leadership team and as an employee. It's how we address those together yeah. that, that makes the difference in, a, in somebody who loves their work yeah. and somebody who is collecting a paycheck. I can think of two businesses that I know very well. And if you talk to the owners of these two businesses, they would say one of our core values is... We value our people, and our people are the most important thing to us. And if you talk to anybody who works at the company, they would say, I have no doubt that I am replaceable, and I'm reminded of that every day. And I think, how can this, how can the, the leader believe that he has a company of, you know, people who he believes one of the core values is how much. He believes in and supports, supports people. his people. Yeah. And the people could see the exact opposite. Well, why should I be loyal it, it, to the company? Yeah, they're not loyal a, to me. There's such a disconnect there. And, yeah, and it comes I, down to communication. How can that be? It comes down yeah. to communication. Well, right? tell me about the other business that is not operated that way, hopefully. No, the, these both of these businesses... Oh. <laughs> You there said, are two businesses I, I can think of. I thought you would say you would have one that, that was this way and one that was no, another way. No, I have two businesses that I know of. Oh, and they're both that way? That I know very well <laughs> that absolutely operate under that that. Uh, well, that's a shame. That that's policy. a shame. But I've now, hopefully they'll listen to this podcast. I, and I have certainly been in many businesses where people are absolutely loyal. Because without it even being stated as a core value, they know... Because open communication, their thoughts on decisions are are regularly asked. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to to be a consultant in a dealership that was the other way. Yeah. This uh, Joe Lunghammer in Waterford Township in Michigan, right outside of Detroit, just north of Detroit. And this guy, and when I went in as a consultant, I, I met with him personally and got his kind of point of view. Very laid-back guy. I mean, very driven. Right. But, you know... Approachable. Approachable, yeah, yeah. And then I met with all of his executive management team, all very much the same way. It's like this guy built his organization 
you know, with that style. Yeah. And the people that, you know, were, were genuine and honest and approachable, that, you know, they, they rose in that organization. And everyone I met from dealer to manager to sales manager to BDC employees to salespeople, they all seem to have this genuine understanding that if I wanted to, I could go walk into Joe's office right now and say, hey, I have a problem and I need your help. Yeah. And and it becomes the culture. Well, it does. And the people that, you know, create drama don't last very long. No. Over. Well, and, and it, it gives people a sense of team Right. And the fact that they know that their opinion is valued. I know uh, Bo Trivet, who's a dealer in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, yeah. and he is very much open door. Right. But lives it. Anybody can go in and talk to him. Yeah. At any point in time. Uh, we work for uh, T.C. Staten. Yeah. Right. And T.C. was very much the same way. I mean, some incredibly valuable conversations I have with that man because he he was willing to talk. What, have you told the story? I think you have on podcast, but could you tell the story of you, you had a little disagreement with, with a manager? I won't go into all the details, right. but was was which you have before on I previous podcasts. I usually get red faces. I'm telling it because you, you think I was ready to fight somebody. But so if you're interested and, in that story, you could go listen to yeah, the previous. Yeah, we'll have to figure out which one it was. But anyway, you know, general sales manager because of a disagreement in dealing with a customer, you know, felt like I had I had been in conflict with him that I had taken the customer side over his side, right, and grabbed me by the arm and whipped me around and said... Suffice it to say that you guys had a disagreement. No, he, he grabbed me by the arm and said, you ever take a customer side over me, I'll <laughs> blow you out of here, right? As he's holding... Which a, is, you know, a great management technique. Right, of course. As he's, you know, gripping my right. arm, looking me in the face, and I jerk my arm away from him, and I said, you don't have to blow me out of here. I quit, and you'll be lucky if I don't kick your ass on my on way, way out. Right, yeah. Right. So you All need right. to walk away so now. So maybe there was a little overreaction yes. on both sides. Yeah, because I was had but, it up to here. Can we get to the? He had it up to here, so I went back in my can office. Can we get to the team building? So I went back in my office, and I'm packing my stuff. I mean, I'm yeah. done, right? I yeah, was, you know he's done. You know you're done. Yeah, I'm packing my stuff. I'm ready to walk out and thinking about do I <laughs> do I engage with them again on my way out, or do I just get my stuff and leave? And somebody comes up to me and says, "Hey, TC wants to talk to you." So I put my my box down that I'm packing my stuff in and I walk in TC's office still red faced. Yeah, but you're you know, probably thinking he's gonna ask, you know, hey what happened? Well, and you're gonna go you're gonna go and, in there and tell him your point of view of what happened. And, well and I, at that point I was just beyond thinking clearly, right? Yeah. I was just Yeah, you're infuriated. Right. I was okay. just very upset. And he sits me down and he says, uh, so Ray, are you mad? And I said, Yeah. Yeah, I'm mad. And he goes, you're so mad you're ready to fight somebody? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how mad I am. And he jumps up out of his chair, he reaches across the desk, and he goes, welcome to the car business. Big smile on his face. I'm looking around like, what? And he goes, Ray, it's the car business, man. One minute we want to fight, the next minute we're high-fiving. Don't worry about it. Just go out there and sell a car. 
it's fine. Yeah, he calmed me right down, and I started smiling a little bit. And he goes, come on, man. You know, we're a team here. Don't worry about it. We'll deal with the problem later. But right now, just relax. Right? Take a break if you need to, and then get back out there and do it again. Right. Which, I mean, unfortunately, we've all been in situations like that in the car business yeah. where I, this business, just the people that kind of are attracted to it, the people that last in it, the people that rise to the top – are these A-type red personalities yeah. where, you know, we're opinionated. And you can't, you can't be in sales and not have the opinion that the solutions you're offering are good solutions. Right. Not be successful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can't go into sales thinking, well, I mean... Here's an option. It might be better for you to buy the competitor's product. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you could do this if you want to. Yeah, buy so, one of these, but you don't, do you really need it? Nah, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's as good as anybody else's, maybe. Uh, right. right. So, so let's just assume that the, the, the personalities and the attitudes of the people that are successful in sales across the board. I don't care if you're selling washing machines or cars or motorcycles or boats. The people that are successful in sales, number one, are understanding, and number two, are listeners. Right. I don't think you can be successful in sales without being empathetic and listening. Right. But also, there has to be a component of, I believe I'm helping you. Right. Right? My solution is the best solution. If you don't feel that way, let me tell you, if you're a salesman listening to this podcast and you feel like your solution is the third best solution, you're you're working for the wrong company. Right. Go to the one you think is the best right. and ask them for a job. Right. Because you'll be very successful there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, let, let's assume all that and then say that, hey, if all those things are are assumed uh, there's going to be some confrontation some butting of heads sometimes sure but it's in how we resolve that this, this goes back to our core topic today of teamwork yes is how do we work that out amongst ourselves we're a team let's work this out right right you, you understand that yeah when you're passionate about something well passion takes a number of different forms Right. And sometimes it's, you know, it comes out as as anger. But we've got to maintain professionalism. You know, I mean, I've certainly afterward could see how, you know, that was something that I needed to maintain and and looked back on that as a pivotal point in my career development or professional development as yeah, man, why, why would I let something get to me to that point? Right. Um, and that manager and I became very good friends. Yeah. Right? I mean, we really grew to respect each other it, and work together. It's funny how that works, right? Yeah. I mean, even from the playground, right. from like five years old, yeah. you have a little confrontation with somebody, and then that's like your best friend 30 years later. Right. right. Yeah. It's you funny, know, man. Yeah, violence is never the way, and <laughs> I, I would not have, but uh, but certainly learned a better way. Yeah, man. Sometimes in a place where you feel comfortable expressing your opinions is a lot of times the best place where mutually beneficial solutions 
expose themselves. Absolutely. And I think the conversation digressing to anger amongst teammates is much less likely where it's an environment that people can speak their piece and feel as though they're going to be heard and that a reasonable solution is going to be provided. Amen. Yeah, I think that's so important to point out is if you feel like my opinion doesn't matter... If you're having open discussions on a regular basis, I think what you're describing is when it's built up, right? When you had one thing happen and you feel like, well, I can't go to anybody and nobody's going to listen if I do, or I've tried to and they won't listen to me. And then something else happens and you're like, here we go again. And I don't have a, I got shut down last time I tried to bring this up. They wouldn't even listen to me. At the very beginning, if you say, hey, explain to me what's going on with you. You know, man, I just, you know, I feel like this is a real sticking point for me. Well, well, let me explain to you why. It's not always. Well, well, well let's, let's kind of summarize okay. this. I, I think what we're saying is the more engagement that leaders have with the people they're leading, the more aware they are going to be at the, at the slight instigation of any concern. Yeah. You know, they're going to be able to address this head on yeah. from the get go right. before it grows into some. Right. You know, great... Big, yeah. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Forget you guys. Yeah. Because yeah, that's. You know, you, you got, say, 10 salespeople and, and you, you know, the, the one bad apple spoils the bunch. You got one guy that's pissed off about something. You don't address it. Well, now it spreads to three people. Right. Now it spreads to five right. people. Because he doesn't have an outlet. He's going to go find his peers and be like, man, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. And uh, nobody wants to hear about it in this place, blah, blah, blah. I think employee happiness is an important matrix that we don't discuss enough. Yeah. In in any industry, much less the automotive industry. Right. You know, and hell, it's typically been, there's your desk, there's the lot, now bring me a deal. Right. You know, I don't care what's going on in your life, just just. Bring me a deal or get the hell out the door. Yeah. You know, I'll promote you to a customer. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it doesn't have to be that way. No. We can bring a better approach to yeah. this industry. We can create a better environment. We can create a better life, Ray. We just have to be intentional. That's a very, uh, very astute statement. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think uh, as a whole in this episode, what we're saying is teamwork is invaluable for both the employee and the management staff. And it's much easier if it's done on the front end from an intentional basis. All right, John. I think we've concluded another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meetings. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And uh, Ray, it's, it's been, this has been a passionate episode. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad and I've enjoyed it as well. Okay, well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. We really appreciate you listening. And we hope you'll join us again. Like to learn more about John and Ray, visit our website, SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com, where you can also listen to additional episodes or read articles we've written.
or email us directly, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. We'd love to hear show ideas, comments, feedback. What about dealers and sales managers, Ray? If you're a dealer or manager who would like more information on our sales training, BDC training, new hire training, or process evaluation and improvement, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. And don't forget about the total dealership assessment, Ray. That's where we come in, evaluate the sales process, look at the lead flow. I mean, if you've got leads that you're not handling properly, we can help. And we can help both on the variable and fixed operation sides of the dealership. Right. And these are immediate action items that you can put in place tomorrow to sell more cars or write more ROs. Right. Simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. That's info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com.